whether you come at the end or whether you come at the beginning, this is a marathon that you never get tired of. It's new and exciting and continues to evolve and its format is different pretty much to anything else. Well, I think there are probably two elements to the men's A race. There, there are all the all the British competitors and then there's the international athletes who are travelling into London for the event. Uh, I know a lot of my family members who who kind of like keep tabs on what I'm doing. They, they only look forward really to the night of the 10K PB. I don't even think I've been to a party that was as fun as Night of the Ten Ks is. It can never be replicated. People try to copy it, but Highgate is Highgate and you can only have one a year. We're going to put it all on a platter and we're going to celebrate it. And that's, my, that's what it deserves, I think, is our amazing sport needs to be celebrated better. I got there and I thought we were at a festival or something like basically something for everyone. Honestly, if I get PB, I would be really happy about it. Flames firing all over the place. There's a DJ screaming away. There's Athletes might get spectator beer spilt on them. Spectators might get athletes sweat. That is a night I, I will never forget. Like, that will live with me for the rest of my life. Thanks for joining me for The Big Run. Welcome to this special series of preview podcasts to celebrate the return of the night of the 10,000 metre PBs. From Monday to Friday of this week and next, there will be a brand new episode talking to key figures of the event's past and future as we look forward to the return of the Glastonbury of Athletics on May 14th. The Big Run is proud to be partnering with Night of the 10Ks and we are grateful to the support of Like the Wind magazine. Like the Wind is an independent journal telling stories about why we run. They'll be producing a special programme for all attendees of the event at Parliament Hill on May 14th. You can find out more about the magazine and all of the relevant links in today's show notes. Today's episode is a bumper one and we have not one, but four guests lined up for you. I got on the phone to make some calls with key figures as we inch closer to Saturday. We've got everything covered today, from community figures to Olympians, athletic journalists and a man of the moment. First up is Peter Scott, a regular fixture at Lee Valley Athletic Centre where he works hyping up the crowd. Peter is a lifelong friend of organiser Ben Pochi and has been connected to the Knights of the 10,000 metre PBs since its inception. His energy, emceeing, encyclopedic knowledge of all things athletics and his outfits hyping up the crowds as the action unfolds. When was your first, were you there from, from sort of the, the first iteration of the event? Were you kind of, have, have you been sort of ever present from it in its history? Yeah, you invited me from day one. Uh, well, the first, first year I, did, I just watched, but then uh, you asked me briefly because he came down to Lee Valley and he saw me doing my stuff at Lee Valley and just said, uh, I might need you for this event I'm going to do. And he asked me if I knew any uh, starters as well. I briefly mentioned to him a few starters that could help. And uh, what I do at Lee Valley, I tend to do kind of hype in the crowd at Lee Valley or, or I do some uh, stuff on the mic. and just. So he just asked me if I could do the same thing uh, at night of the 10Ks. But uh, as I've known Ben for quite a long time, since my, back in my running days, because we're both from the same counties, Middlesex. Ben was always a great guy to be around and back then because he was always had like a great sense of humour and, you know, also 
So it doesn't surprise me that he's doing something like this because he was always like one of those people's like life of life of the party. You know? Oh, I see. So when when it kind of first appeared, were you like, did it kind of make sense from what you'd known about Ben? Oh yeah, or what Ben's doing there doesn't surprise me because uh, you know one you know one of the famous quotes I like. Someone interviewed Ben and they said to him at the, one of the first, one of the earlier night of the ten Ks, they says you've got fire eaters there, flamethrowers, acrobat, people dancing on here, blah 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 blah. Uh, what's all that about? You know, Ben's answer was simple. Why not? So when someone says, why have you got it? He just simply said, why not? Why can't you have it? Why can't you think out the box? Why mm. can't this? Why, why does there have to be a rule that you can only go, come turn up at a race, do your race, and then go home or just sit down? Why can't you make this into a theater of dreams, mm. as they say? And I'm just thinking, yeah, sometimes people put too much restrictions on what you can do, uh, you know, or what you, sh- what you, can't do rather than what you can do mm. and, and you know with ben is there's just no limits i mean i take for example one time he rang me up and he just said to me oh uh is there any chance you could do a short video for me and i was like well what do you want he just said uh i want you to do a short little dance like james brown and then uh but you've got to use the line take it to the bridge and i was like okay fine uh <laughs> no i didn't think anything of it but then i said oh when do you want it for and he just said oh hopefully by this weekend now that I think he called me up on a Tuesday or Wednesday. I thought, blimey, three, he's giving me two, three days notice. And I, <laughs> and I was like, well, I thought, who can I get to film me do that? So I had to go to one of my friends who was a dancer. Uh, so I did three takes of Take It to the Bridge, but with from with the James Brown. And I had no idea what he was using it for. He just said to me, can you just have that? And I did it three times. And I, and I just sent them to Ben. I said, look, I've done three. You said you only want it for 10 seconds. If, if none of them are any good, just tell me... Uh, and he just watched the first one. He said, no, I love it. That's it. And I'll go, hmm. And then when I got to the night of 10Ks, obviously, I think he did tell me what he had planned, but he said to keep it secret. He had, he had a bridge from one side of the track to the to so you could walk across onto the mm. field. And I was like, oh, I said, I love, the, I love the way he thinks. And uh, that's the way his mind is. And uh, it doesn't surprise me that he's got things like a bus, in de- double-decker bus or flying flares and stuff like that, because that's the same way my, my, my mind, you know, kind of thinks, you know, thinking if you've got to go to somewhere, have a show. With someone like Ben, he's someone you're talking to that's so, you know, he's so positive and, and always thinking out of the box and always wants to just try and, give not just the athletes but the spectators and the officials and the volunteers and basically he values everyone everyone so it doesn't matter if you're just holding a line at the finish doesn't matter if you're you know you're someone directing someone uh of your of your basically just you know basically just coming to watch once and then just for half an hour and you're walking away he appreciates everything and so mm-hmm. someone like ben you just appreciate and uh and yeah, so I basically, I think the first year, I think he kind of got surprised, even though he's known me for years. It was, I think he's quite surprised that I kept on dancing nonstop for the first year. And I was like, <laughs> uh, and I was like, no, I'm right. He, go, he says, oh, I wasn't expecting that much. And I was going, well, what did you expect, Ben? I think he, he, <laughs> I was quite surprised. He rang me up and said, I wasn't expecting that. I said, well, you've known me for years. I was thinking, oh, it's weird. Uh, no, no, no. Every year he's just got bigger and bigger. And uh, and how And how important is that? I mean, you're right. It's extraordinary what he's what he's created, and the the energy and the generosity that he gives off is 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 also extraordinary. Um, but just going back to something you you were talking about earlier, from when your kind of previous experience of of being a, a competitive runner to sort of seeing what's been created with 
with Night at the 10Ks and that idea of, of atmosphere and that kind of, um, and how that links to performance, like from, from the athlete's perspective, how, how important is that sort of carnival kind of atmosphere with a bridge going over into the infield with, with pyrotechnics and double-decker buses? Like, oh. How important is that to the athletes on the tartan? Oh, amazing, amazing. You can't, I mean, look at all the Brits that have just raised their level uh, or raised their game to another level in the, in the, since, uh, like I said, the Night of 10Ks has started. Uh, I've, I, oh, sorry, Night of 10K PBs. Let me use the full term. <laughs> to give it its full, of, full title, full, yes. Full, full title, yeah. Night of 10K PBs. Look how many people, uh, Brits, up-and-coming Brits, seasoned Brits as well, have excelled. I mean, you've got people, uh, the evergreen Joe Pavey, you know, performing marvellous at a level that people thought couldn't be achieved again. And you've got youngsters who came through, coming through as well. So, you know, you've had the Jenny Nisbets, you have the, so, so many other so many other up-and-coming youngsters mm. who have performed this as well. You've had uh, Steph Twell, another Olympian. I'm sorry, I've just mentioned some of the female athletes, but one of the other ones I remember is Andy Vernon coming through, mm. high-flying all the crowd on the back, on the back straight. That That's one of the, a memory that will live in me for ages. You know, I was there and I just saw Andy Vernon high-flying everyone in a back straight and I was thinking oh my god this is just awesome so not only was it did it lift him all the all the back straight was getting a you know getting involved and getting hyped up and uh and I'm, also like I said it's not just the Brits you, you've he's you know he's he's added a European flavor world flavor you've you've got high class athletes not just from from Britain now you've got from Europe competing and you know even some that's competing the world champs and so you know, I can't say enough. I could go on talking for, for a week about <laughs> all the, you, you know, you've got, you know, you've got to hand it to Mr. Poacher uh, and uh, all the people that's involved at Highgate and out, outside and outside uh, from other clubs as well that's got involved that have made, made this like one of the pinnacle uh, events to attend in the, in the athletics calendar. If perhaps there were people listening to this who might have heard about it, but like might not be familiar with it and they were sort of not maybe maybe not connected to the sport as passionately as, as you or I, like what could you say to, to entice them down? What kind of event might they experience if they were like, oh, okay, this sounds interesting. Maybe I will head down to Parliament Hill on May 14th. What can they expect? Even for people that aren't, I've heard from people who aren't even into athletics who've come down to Lee Valley. They said they were just having to be passing and they didn't know what was going on and they saw a lot of crowd and, and they just said they loved the atmosphere and, and, and that's what it is. You know, it's, and a good thing about athletics, I said, you know, there's a lot of unity. It doesn't matter if you're the person you don't know. It doesn't matter if the person's not from your club. You know, you can get passion you, and uh, and you can have get enjoyment and satisfaction and get involved by seeing other people do well. Mm. Do you think that is the the sort of the wider thing that athletics has to teach us sort of generally kind of as humans is that sort of... Um, taking joy in other people's success and seeing what's what's kind of possible oh exactly oh exactly i mean uh like i said i love seeing people come through the ranks i also love complete outsiders coming through and making their mark you know and that doesn't mean that you have to win a race it's just like it says it's the night of the kente pb so if you've achieved something that you thought wasn't possible before overcome adversity just by being in this circle or circus or mm. and or arena uh that's brought out the best in you yeah it's just great to see 
because uh, I mean, you probably saw on on the news uh, the Olympic trials, mm-hmm. or the marathon trials that was held uh, at Richmond in Kew Gardens. Think, in Kew Gardens, when uh, Chris Tomo Thomason mm-hmm. came through, a father at forty years old. You know, even he said he thought, you know, he thought, well, his best days were behind him. He thought he's just had a father. He's just become a father. What a week it's been. And then I don't think anyone was actually uh, probably thinking, well, Chris Tomo is going to make the Olympic Games. But there he is, <laughs> proving proving once again, uh, there were some people, life against that 40. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, everyone just love seeing that you know everyone loves sharing with that regardless of whether you knew Tomo or you didn't it was just it was that's that magic and also like I said Tomo was also run at night at 10ks mm-hmm. and everyone just loves loves seeing someone like Tomo because he's such a fantastic character fantastic personality uh kind of kind of bloke anyone you could just go in a pub and he'll always have time for you and have a smile and and by cheering it these people on and You've you've become involved in that. You've shared part of that success. Does that make sense? Even mm. though you haven't coached him, even though you may not have trained with him or something like that, but it's a shared experience. It's yeah. a, it's a communal kind of shared experience. And yeah, like you say, you you might not have been you know out on those hundred mile plus weeks or doing the track sessions or the Sunday long runs and stuff. But there is a there is a shared experience and you are sharing in something by being there and cheering on and, and participating. And you mentioned the, the uh, Olympic trials and there is a, there is a, there's trial element to tonight of the 10 K PBs as well. Cause there's, there's kind of multiple qualifying opportunities tied up there for the, for the athletes as well. I mean, with your kind of knowledge of, of, the of athletes, the kind of current stable, I mean, is there anyone that you've got your got your eye on who you think is going to do something uh, potentially quite quite impressive on May fourteenth? Because there's obviously there's the qualify uh, qualifying opportunities like Commonwealth and and the World Champs and and stuff like that. Is there anyone who you're particularly excited to to watch on May fourteenth? It was great to see Georgia Bell racing uh, just a few weeks ago. She's coming in the top three of a of a five k on the roads uh, or sorry on the track recently. Uh, I think that was at Battersea. Uh, and then I'm also always excited to see Jess Judd run. Mm. I just think she's so great for the sport because uh, she's someone that's always turned out for the for the trials, the British champs, uh, done most of her running in Britain. And and sometimes I think hasn't had the the greatest of support for for the, all the efforts that she's given. So it's it's great now to see that she's made her first Olympics last year. But like I said, these events aren't just about the favourites is also, like I said, I also like the other people that are mm. coming through. It's not, uh, obviously, it's got, to, the climates has got to end up with the A races, but we always like to see people making breakthroughs at different stages in the B races as well, the C races. And and, and that's what the night of the 10K PBs is all about, helping people to that next stage. Can you get a PB or can you get a season's best or can you just simply have a fantastic race? Such a perfect way to sum it up. I'm, I'm already excited. And we have talking about the people to to watch out for. Like, Do you know what, what your responsibilities are going to be on May 14th? He's asked me this year to kind of uh, help him with some the entertainment. Okay. So I'm getting, I'm helping him with some of the acts that are performing. Oh, great. Oh, great. So I've, uh, I've been securing, I've been looking for acts that can perform on the night. And, uh, so this year it won't be so much me dancing around because, uh, I'm still, I'm still like rehabbing on one side, but I'll still be there 
what whatever he bring whatever he brings this year, like I said, I'm sure you know, this will be the real Britain's Got Talent or something, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this is the one you gotta watch and everyone gives them a golden buzzer. Basically. <laughs> you know? Oh, I can't and the wait. one thing about Ben, he he puts the thumb into your rum. He puts the smile into every mile. Okay. And what can I say, man? He he he's he's the man with a master plan. Oh. Can he kick it? Yes, he can. <laughs> But I mean, I mean, another thing sums it up was like uh, uh, one year I think you had Paula Radcliffe there, Ronnie O'Sullivan, Wendy Sly, and Seb Seb Cole all turn up on the bus, and uh, I just thought to myself, what can we just do different for the crowd? And I just said, right, I I just had some sacks in my bag, and I just said, I've got, I've got, I've got some jumping sacks. Who's up for a sack race? And uh, Wendy Sly was just up for it straight away. And <laughs> Paula, I have to give Paula credit because at that time I didn't know that she had a slight injury on her foot. So she said, oh, I can't do a race because of my foot. And I said, oh, no, no, this is sack racing. She goes, oh, that's okay. So, but it was, it was just marvelous just to see two great Olympians just come down there, have fun and just give some enjoyment to the, to the, to the crowd. And, and that's what it's all about. Like I just said, you know, Everyone forgetting any everyone there forgets the egos. You got David Bedford, that's a world record holder, a legend in a sport, turning up and support supporting. You had people like Eric Shirley Senior, uh, another great Olympian coming up there, giving support. You got many other Olympians turning up there, coming and watch, Eamon Martin, Tim Hutchins, and the list goes on and on. And 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 that's what it's all about. People just come down there, they forget about any of their status and they all just give their bits. They just all dig in. Like I said, whether it's holding a line, whether it's holding a mic, whether it's DJing like the greats Tim saw or whether you're on a back straight, home straight, bend, you're all, you're all part of this uh, fantastic. And uh, it's a pinnacle. I mean, uh, and uh, yeah, you wouldn't want to miss it for the, you know, if someone paid you to, to go somewhere else. <laughs> Uh, well, I feel like you're such a huge part of it as well, Peter. And thank you so much for for taking the time to to share some of your memories and and some of your stories. And I, I, if if you're not excited listening to this, listeners, then I I I think you're lying because just listening to you talk about it and sharing your memories has got me really supercharged for May 14th. And I I look forward to to seeing you there and seeing some of the entertainment you've created and and creating some more memories. So thank you so much, Peter. Oh no, no! Thank you for calling me. I'm going to end it with one more thing. This is, this is one thing I remember Paula saying to me, Radcliffe, at the end. Every year, Ben seems to make this this event bigger and bigger. And I remember the first years, it was only a few races, and then he asked me to come earlier and earlier. After about two or three races, I think I was going about 60 miles an hour, uh, trying to entertain a crowd. Because, and then he had he dropped in a break. Now he didn't drop in a break the first year; it was just straight through. Now, having that break, I was like, oh, do I really need a break? Because then you have to pick yourself up again. Hmm. And I remember Paula was saying, oh, well, when we had a break, uh, Paula came up and said to me, you need to slow down. We've got three more races. You've got to be dead. And I was like, oh, I'll be fine. Now, that's the thing of the night 10Ks. As you the night gets on, people get stronger because they get excited. They're waiting for this big build up and it gets bigger and bigger. So whether you come at the end or whether you come at the beginning, okay, this is a marathon that you never get tired of, of being part of. So the longer it gets on, the more the buds, the drilling, the more you're looking forward to staying another half hour, hour, whatever, whatever it takes to see it to the end. And it's 
it's a bit, you could probably like saying going to your favorite concert. If you go to a concert, you know, it could be the Rolling Stones, it could be, I don't know, Prince, Michael Jackson. You just think of some of the biggest stars. You know, this concert's got to go for two hours. And basically, you're staying there for that two hours because you're waiting for the climax, you're waiting for encore. And that's how it is with a night of 10Ks. You're waiting for that encore. What else has got to come? Fireworks, Pyrotex. Who's, who's got to win the A race? Who's got to win this race? And I'm going to end it by saying, Big Ben, he's done it again. Give him the big bomb. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You've got Big Ben in Westminster. You need to get Big Ben, the MBE, a CBE, OBE, whatever he is. Give him the big bomb. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Pete, oh, man. I mean, oh, I... Oh, I, I, yeah, what what a set, what a sales pitch, what an advertisement, what what a way to to bang the drum for for this event. Like I'm, um, I mean, it's a couple of weeks out now, whilst we're recording this, but already, yeah, I'm I'm vibrating with excitement, and I think that that pitch of it's a marathon in which you never get tired, I think, is such a compelling line, and uh, yeah, I I can't wait. Roll on May fourteenth. Roll it on, boy. Roll it on. Be square. Or be there. I know which one I'll choose. <laughs> May the fourteenth. Make that. Put that date in your diary now. Make sure you're there. <laughs> we are come to rock the place. We have come to kill it. If you can't have the pace, if you can't be ace, okay, then you're not right for this place. Be there. Bring your mate to Highgate. Don't be late. May the 14th is the date. Okay, you heard it from me. Thank you, Danny. It's been great talking to you. The next caller on the line, so to speak, is Wendy Sly. Wendy is a British former athlete who won a silver medal at the 3,000 metres in the 1984 Los Angeles Olympics and won the 1983 10K World Road Race Champs in San Diego. She is now a non-executive director for British Athletics and works as a managing director for Athletics Weekly. Hi, Danny. Hi, Wendy. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Thank you so much for, for yeah, taking the time to do this. Really appreciate it. No, no problem at all. It's, um, I'm just travelling quite a lot this month. <laughs> it's, yeah, it seems it seems really busy at the moment like everything's everything's coming back with with gusto like races events and stuff like that it feels like a really busy time at the moment yeah yeah absolutely it's great though isn't it i mean i think we've all got to embrace it this summer we've all been starved of events whether they be on the road or track or whatever so um yeah got lots to look forward to i guess obviously one of the events that is rapidly approaching is uh is night the 10,000 meter pbs like when when i mentioned the name of the event like what's the, what's the first thing that pops into your head about the event for me, it's become a little bit of a um, a date to keep free in the diary, really. Um, I didn't go to the first couple, but I've been every year since and got very involved one way and another, whether it be supporting through AW um, magazine or just myself being there and, um, you know, talking to people um, about it. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's a day I like to keep in my diary for sure. What do you think makes it kind of so unique? Like in comparison to perhaps some of the other events that are, that are happening uh, over the summer, like if Night of the 10Ks feels like it's, uh, it's a slightly different beast, it seems. It's new and exciting and continues to evolve and its format is different pretty much to anything else. Although there have been kind of a couple of events that maybe tried to capture some of the um, atmosphere and buzz that exists around night of the 10,000 PBs. I think for me personally, um, you know, I ran in the first 
3,000 metres in the Olympics in 1984 and um, and just missed out. Well, I didn't miss out. They weren't, they didn't allow me to double up in Seoul in 88, which was the first 10,000 for women on the track because they they didn't think I could run the three and the 10, which in itself is quite amusing. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I think what it illustrates to me is how far women's distance running has come in my lifetime. Um, I talk about it quite a lot because of my own personal journey, but um, this is obviously way beyond when I finished running. And, um, you know, it's great to see several races for women over the distance of 10,000 metres, plus, of course, some uh, several races for men of all standards as well. And um, to have it in um, a fairly iconic venue such as Parliament Hill Fields, which is, you know, the home of the National Cross Country at various times over the last um, 50 years or so. So, yeah, I think there's there's all sorts of... um, all sorts of reasons to be excited by the event and you know uh, Ben Pochi's done a, done a brilliant job of um, just constantly thinking of new ways to um, keep it uh, fresh and new. Yeah absolutely and you, you talked a little bit there about your kind of own experience of of being completely enthralled in this kind of revolution that was that was happening at your time in, in, in women's running and the kind of rightly so the changing perceptions of of what women could do in terms of in terms of competition can you can you just sort of talk a little bit more about sort of that experience of of being in amongst that and kind of challenging what people's perceptions are were of of what women were capable of and maybe touch on like how do you think the kind of current state is of, of women's running? Do you feel like there's there's more work to be done, do you think, from from the women's side of things in terms of pushing it forward and making it an even more kind of equal playing field? I mean, I think um, the change from when I started running and bearing in mind, you know, when I started running the longest distance um, you could compete at the Olympics was 800 metres mm. um, because it was seen that women weren't capable of um, running further than that. So... You know, I think if you take it at that as the start point and you look at where we are now, that's how far we've come. And that's in my own running life. Mm. Now, admittedly, there were times in the middle of that where, um, you know, I was competing at the highest level. But to compete at the highest level when I was at my best, 3,000 metres was the longest distance you could run. And towards the end of my career, 10,000 metres came in and um, and Liz McColgan won a silver medal in that first um, Olympic 10,000 metres. So, you know, there's lots of um, great moments. Greta Weitz, who was one of my idols, you know, running the marathon the way she did, um, she brought women's marathon running to the fore, um, you know, swiftly followed by um, Ingrid Christensen, Liz McColgan, and then, of course, the great Paula Radcliffe, you know. Mm. So I think there's been... There's been um, pioneers on the journey you know before me that was Joyce Smith and um, again Greta Weitz and and um, and then my generation running 3000s and then 10,000 in the Olympics and now it's 510 steeplechase you know know, it's it's a it's fairly clearly documented I think in the Olympic program and it's been great to be part of of that journey. I mean, for me, I wish it happened a whole lot earlier because mm. I think the 10,000 probably would have been my best event, but I mean, I was able to compete 
in the States on the road at 10K. What is it about the the 10,000 metres that made you feel like you would have been so particularly good at it? Like, what was it in your kind of, in your skill set, in your wheelhouse that felt like if, if the opportunity had been there that you you would have been really successful at it? Well, in 83, I won the World 10K Championships on the road. Um, and um, I had one at that time, I had one of the fastest times on the road mm. in the world. Um, and up until the new shoes, I, for goodness knows how many years, I was third ranked fastest um, at 10K. So I obviously physiologically have got or had the makeup to run well at 10K. I just never really got a proper chance. I think I only ran two or three in total on the track before, you know, injury caused me to retire. Um, and I think that's one of the other things I love to see as well is the showcasing of 10,000 metre running. You know, um, that's one of the things that attracted me to run on the roads in America was the fact that, you know, people came out and cheered you on mm. and, you know, you weren't stuck in a, on running around a track in the middle of a field with, you know, two men and a dog and um, and trying to motivate yourself to run 25 laps on your own, you know, it, like the 10,000 PVs, you know, the races are exciting, the crowds get excited, there's a lot of noise. And, yeah, I would have personally loved that, absolutely loved it. And it's great to see the athletes of today being able to take advantage of it. And kind of zooming out a little bit and looking at the kind of the wider picture of athletics, I mean, if you were to sort of do a do a health check on it. I mean, what what do you think the kind of current health of of athletics is at the moment? Do you think it's in a good place? It feels like it's in a good place. It feels like it feels like there's a lot of like attention on it at the moment. It feels like it's in a good position. I mean, what's what's your take on it at the moment? Well obviously it's been tough for every business over the last couple of years and that would include the business of athletics. Mm. Um and you know we we've got a Diamond League coming up in Birmingham in a few weeks time. And then trials for um, the world championships. You know, we've got three major championships that will be on TV, one of them domestic. So, you know, people will be traveling to events. So the sport has an opportunity to sort of build back, I, I think would be the best way of, of describing it. You know, there's a new regime at British Athletics um, with Jack Butner coming in as CEO in the next few weeks and I think everybody's excited about that um you know we've got some stars out there the likes of Keely Hodgkinson, Laura Muir, Gemma Riki um on the women's side and then um you know uh, talent such as Jake Whiteman um on, on the and on the men's side and many others just uh, Mark Scott you know even though Mark um Mo Farah is perhaps not as his best right now. He's still there. So, mm. um, you know, the list goes on. KJT, Holly Bradshaw. You know, we've got we've got some great stars out there. And I think um, we have the opportunity to promote their talents this year on the world stage, Commonwealth stage and European stage. So it's very exciting times, I think. I mean, no one's going to deny that the sport's been through a tough, a tough time. It has. But, um, you know, I think we've got, events and stars to be able to build back um you know Dean Rasha Smith I didn't even even mention her and Andy Pozzi and Adam Jamelia I mean say if you if you sit for five ten minutes you can reel off several names all of which are, are, are huge talents and all of whom I think can 
offer excitement for us, whether we be sat in a stadium or um, sat on the sofa watching them. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. Yeah, there's there's a real glut of talent, and you're 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 so right. When you sort of sit down and start to think, like more and more, more and more names kind of pop up. This 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 wealth of exciting talent we have, and but do you think there are do you think there are ways to make those names even more kind of within the public domain, even more kind of uh, within people's kind of radar, perhaps people who hadn't perhaps considered the sport of athletics as something they'd be invested in. I've, I've talked a lot about this to other people in this series is the, the sort of the Formula One kind of drive to survive effect of having that sport kind of cross over to people who perhaps hadn't even considered it as something that they'd be they'd be interested in and you know some of those names you mentioned fantastic kind of uh characters and personalities that i think a lot of people would really really take to do you think there are kind of different ways for for us to sort of share these stories to to draw more people into the sport who perhaps hadn't considered athletics or, or road running as something they'd be interested in absolutely i mean i think the the sport has a challenge ahead really you know how do we turn keely hodgkinson from just being a, a wonderful athlete and Olympic silver medalist into a bit more of a household name, you know, um, it, it, it's an interesting, an interesting challenge. I mean, having the BBC back, um, showing athletics is obviously helpful. Um, you know, if Keely has another great summer, that will help. Um, but the sport does have to promote its stars. You know, it, 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 it has a, um, a knock-on effect on how many seats you sell at events and how much sponsorship you get, and then whether you know how much more money you could put in to create another Keely Hodgkinson or you know another Andy Posse. You know the, these. It, it's a very tricky formula, but we have to figure out what that formula is. You know how do we how do we promote these great talents and then get more interest in the sport? And I know you know there's been been talk from World Athletics about a, a sort of dry to survive type format. I don't think that around the Diamond League that would um, do the sport any harm. I, I definitely, I definitely watch it. I think the the, the thought of it and uh, the knock on effect, like my my wife cannot cannot sort of stand Formula One yet. She watched all ten episodes of Drive to Survive, and they they did a great job of making these these uh, these stories and narratives really really compelling, so that it crossed over. And just thinking about these these kind of tools that are now at our disposal, the the documentaries, the social media, you know, Instagram, TikTok, and all these different kind of um, channels that that are ways to share these stories and communicate these athletes' personalities. Are there are there elements of these tools that we have now that I mean, would you have liked to have been part of that when you were an athlete, having a sort of a social media profile and and all those kind of tools, or or did you prefer it kind of how it was when you were when you were back competing? Oh gosh, that's very difficult. I mean, when um, the whole Zola Bud thing kicked off in the UK, I was able to get on a plane, fly to America, and get away from it, and that was why I won my medal in the Olympics because the whole hoo ha that was happening here was a massive distraction to my training and my competition just for a little bit of context for people listening can you just sort of give a quick overview of i, I mean I'm, I'm sure people will be familiar with it but a little overview of what the the sort of the story was with the with the zola bud thing yeah well in uh, 1983 i think i was ranked fifth in the world and british number one and obviously had a fair chance of winning a medal in the olympics and had been pre-selected on that basis and in early 1984 the daily mail campaigned to bring 
Zola Budd, who is a uh, South African, very talented athlete across to the UK, fast tracker passport. So she had British citizenship, I guess, in the hope of promoting her to be an Olympic medalist, which for myself was slightly frustrating, given that, you know, I was kind of in line to perhaps do the same. And I was born and bred in Britain, but but it was what it was. Um, The newspapers, TV uh, made uh, a big song and dance of the story. And I was painted as the sort of the, the evil British athlete that didn't want Zola Bud in the UK. The press publicity for me was was not positive at all. And it all got too much for me. And I went to see a sports psychologist with my coach. And he said, you just need to take some control of all of this because at the moment it's taking control of you. Mm. And um, I jumped on a plane and went to the US and took all of my build up to the Olympics in 84 happened out in in LA or around around about LA. Um, but because there was no social me- media or internet and none of the press knew where I work was, I was able to um, focus on the thing I did best. Yeah. Uh, so I often wonder whether social media would have prevented me in succeeding the way I did that summer. I think people would, you know, at your level with that amount of scrutiny within that context would crave now with everything that we have in terms of technology and communication, the ability to kind of just go off grid like that and and sort of disappear from the spotlight so you, they could do exactly what you're describing of focusing on on training and, and and putting and putting in the work i think i imagine it would have been incredibly difficult with with the coverage and um, access that we have today yeah and you know and and i also see on the flip side of all of that i also see how athletes are able to use social media to promote themselves mm. and generate sponsorship um which is fantastic, you know. Um, there's not that much money in athletics compared to other sports, and if athletes are able to generate an income by utilising social media, then I think that's that's yeah. absolutely wonderful. Um, and um, you know, we weren't able to do that. So, and I also think as well um, on the other side, I think athletes are much better in dealing with the media, much better in. Um, coping with difficult events and um you know we in the first few years of my athletics career you know we we just stepped off the track and there might be a few journalists around but that was it you know there were no mixed zones no yeah. uh, trackside interviews you know? and i think um it's great that athletes are media savvy um and they would probably handle the situation i was in far better than i did just to sort of circle back to tonight of the night of the ten thousand meter PBs. If there are people listening to this who perhaps maybe maybe heard of it, they were like, okay, there's this thing happening May fourteenth. I'm not quite sure what it's all about, but they were considering maybe coming down and and sort of spectating at this this event. I mean, what would be your kind of your kind of sell to them if you were if you were promoting the event as to why they should they should come down and sort of witness this Glastonbury of athletics on on May 14th? I think the first thing I would say is they will be pleasantly surprised even if they've been part of the sport of athletics for a, a long time. It's a great joy always to me to see athletes competing at the highest level. And, you know, the, the last couple of events of the evening are very high standard 10,000 metre races with a great build up with the, the other races beforehand. I think you have a great time and um, I think you can never really, um, 
I think there's something going on the entire time. <laughs> mm. And, um, you know, you, you, you might see a few famous faces around as well. I know um, Ronnie O'Sullivan's been known to show up every now and then. And um, watching great athletes perform, having a great night out with a with a, a nice beer, watching a race on a summer's on a spring evening. I think it it's uh, it's a lovely combination of things. Sold. I'm, I'm, I'm there. I'm, I'm there. Great pitch. Love that. Oh, and it's free, isn't it? I it's know free it's free. Well. It's free. It's so free. And the, I was talking to uh, uh, Tim Hutchins, who I, I boy, he's interviewed you. I was just listening to the podcast that um, he did with you for AW, and um, you know this idea of Glastonbury of athletics. Um, Glastonbury the, at the moment, what's that? About 150 quid or something like that for it for a ticket. I mean, you get you get all of that yeah, entertainment right. and, and joy and. Uh, elite level competition which like you say is is thrilling to watch and so close as well such close proximity to the action particularly um at parliament hill all for free um yes it's a very very compelling offer uh, wendy thank you so much for for coming on the podcast for chatting to me and uh, will you be there on may 14th i certainly will yes i'm going to try and sneak the first half at least of the fa cup final um but I we don't talk about that sport no 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 Chelsea fan, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> well i look forward to seeing you uh, on may 14th and thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast brilliant thank you very much for having me from one athletics weekly key player to another one Jason Henderson has been joining the big room for our monthly episodes for his racing forecast since the start of the year, and it felt only right to get him on the line to get his take on the elite fields for May 14th. So, Jason, thank you so much for for coming on the pod. Listeners will obviously know you from our racing forecast special that we've been having in the monthly magazine episode since the start of this year, but there's only one particular Uh, weather forecast or weather system that we're focusing on in this particular chat and that's the one rapidly approaching Highgate in in a few well in less than a week's time we're recording this on Sunday and the the event is rapidly approaching on May 14th and the start lists came out on Friday so so looking at the men's uh, sort of a race I mean who jumps out at you in what looks like a, a pretty stacked field well, I think there are probably two elements to the men's A race. There, there are all the all the British or domestic competitors, and then there's the international athletes who are travelling into London for mm. the event. Uh, if, if I start with the the Brits, which uh, which I think the the partisan crowd at, at mm. Parliament Hill will will probably be most interested in. Yeah. Um, probably the names that stand out to me are, are Sam Atkin and Emil Keres. Uh, Sam Atkin is is uh, a little bit of a mercurial, mysterious figure. He he's based in America, um, comes from I think the, the Lincoln area originally, a kind of Grimsby Lincoln area. Um, I've interviewed him at length before uh, via video. He's a really really nice, chatty, decent lad, mm. and he's got some. He's been building up some amazing amazing times in in the last year or so. He's run twenty seven twenty three for ten thousand meters on the track. That that time places him sixth on the all-time list for 10,000 metres in, in the UK. And not that long ago, earlier on this year, he ran 13.03 indoors 5K. Mm. That's an indoor 5K time, 13.03, although it went a little bit unnoticed, I think, because he finished a few seconds behind Mark Scott, who, who unfortunately isn't at the, the Highgate event. Mm. But still, nevertheless, that, that's tremendous times from Sam. Uh, he went to the Tokyo Olympics last year. He's got real pedigree, and I think him and Emil Keres 
will be probably battling it out to be the the top Brit on the night. Uh, Emil, as I'm sure lots of listeners will will be aware, uh, equaled Mo Farah's UK 10K record on the roads earlier on this year. So he's he's a real talent, and he ran 27:53 for 10,000 meters on the track last summer as well. So he's he's a superb athlete mm. on the rise. And then we've got Jake Smith, another mercurial character who, who has got very modest PBs on the track, 13.38 for 5K, just outside 29 minutes for, for 10K on the track. Uh, but he's a huge talent, as, as lots of your listeners will, will know. And I'm sure if he turns up on the night in good shape, then he's going to make, make an impact. And then beyond that, we've got names like Jack Rowe, Ben Connor, uh, Ellis Cross, Mm. who beat Mo Farah just a few days ago as we're talking in the 10K on the roads at the Vitality event in London. So he he's, he's a real wild card. He's got himself in the A race now. Uh, doesn't have fantastic track PBs, but, you know, if you, if you beat Mo Farah in a road 10K a few days earlier, then then you can't be discounted. Mm. Um, and then there's the, the British brothers, Mohammed Mohammed and Zach Mohammed as mm. well. Which brings me on to the international field, because I think the commentators on the night might have a little bit of a problem here, because possibly the, the top international runner who's coming over to Highgate is a guy called Mohammed Mohammed, <laughs> which is very similar to the, the British Mohammed Mohammed. Uh, but the international Mohammed Mohammed is from Germany, and he finished quite a close second behind Jakob Ingebrigtsen over 5,000 metres just a few nights ago in California. And he's also the reigning European under-23 5,000 metre champion. Mm. So he's uh, he's going to be really battling for the win, I think. I mean, if you can push Ingebrigtsen close in a track 5K, then uh, you've, you're probably going to be in shape to run a decent track 10K a week or so later. Uh, and then the other international athletes to to talk about in the men's 10,000 metres at Highgate are probably the former winners, Yaman Kripa from Italy, who won in, won in 2019, and Richard Ringer from Germany, who won in 2018. And Ringer ran the Olympic marathon last year. He finished 26th in the Olympic marathon, whereas, whereas Kripa has been taking apart a lot of lot of Italian track records in the past two or three years. So he's a he's an athlete who's really on the rise and, and both those guys will be going for the win. And probably the final names to mention from my point of view, from the lists that I've looked at so far, are, are a Ugandan duo of, of teenagers, Rob, Rogers Kibet and Isaac Kibet, who we don't know a great deal about, but they've been producing some good performances. And I think especially Rogers looks like he could make an impact in that men's race at Highgate. Very exciting. Oh, just hearing you talk about some of those times there with some of those athletes already got me super, super excited for Saturday. Okay, so that's the men's side of things. What about over on the women's A race? I think in the women's, it's it's difficult to look beyond Ailish McColgan. I mean, Ailish has just been in such mm. tremendous form all year. I mean, she's just improving the whole time. She's um, she had a bout of, of COVID about a month or so ago, which which knocked her training back. But she she's just come back into form now. She's bounced straight back from that. Uh, we saw her set a, a British 5K record on the roads recently, and then at the Vitality London 10,000 on the roads just a few days ago, she ran 30:23 and just won by a mile. I mean, she was she was just majestic. Um, 
she's uh, I think she's fifth fifth all time at the moment on the track for for, for the UK rankings. Um, she's run just inside thirty one minutes, but I think we could see see her take quite a bit of quite a bit of a chunk off that time at Highgate if the conditions are good. It, I've I've been to Highgate a few times myself in the past, and when it's been held in May, it can get a little bit little bit chilly late at night. You know, if the wind is swirling around, it could slow times down. But hopefully, everyone will get good conditions. And if the conditions are good, then I think she could she could smash her PB and uh, and jump up the UK rankings because just ahead of her is her mum, Liz mm. McColgan. She's a second quicker, so if she improves a little bit, she'll she'll leapfrog her mum. Uh, and then ahead of that, we've got Julia Bleasdale and Joe Pavey, mm. um, who ran a, a very very I think very understated uh, underrated performances at the London 2012 Olympics uh, 10 years ago mm. you know they they finished a fair bit behind the the medalists that day but they ran times that have put them number two number three on the UK all-time lists and uh, you know th- those were magnificent performances with hindsight they went a l- little bit unnoticed at the time but really strong times and we could see Ailish jump past those if she has a good run on Saturday. Um, although she might have to go some to beat the UK record, which is held by Paula Radcliffe with 30 minutes and one second. Um, I think even Ailish would admit herself that, that that time is possibly a little bit beyond her at the moment. But, but who knows? Who knows? Um, <laughs> so so behind Ailish, we, we've got uh, Jess Judd, mm. who's eighth on the UK all-time list. Amy Eloise Markovich, who's ninth on the UK all-time list. You know, this is really, really a stacked field in the women's race. Um, Sam Harrison is an interesting athlete who who is really improving fast the whole time. Uh, Sarah Inglis uh, ran 15-16 for 5K on the track a few days ago. She she looks like she could be poised for a good time. And then there's just a great list of of really strong domestic athletes who uh, who could all you know make their impact and would be going for various qualifying times for commonwealth games european champs you know a few of the faster runners will be going for the world champion championship qualifying times and you know these athletes include uh, jess gibbon mari mclennan verity ockenden lily partridge abby donnelly charlotte arter uh, rose harvey beth kidder you know the the list goes on there's just a great list of uh, of domestic contenders. Um, a few international athletes dotted in there as well. Um, a name that springs out to me probably the most is Sarah Larty of Sweden, who's run just outside 31 minutes for 10,000 metres on the track. So so she could be uh, muscling, muscling her way into the top few positions as well in that women's race. But for me, you know, Ailish McColgan, she's the athlete to be. It's going to be very difficult for anyone to get anywhere near her on the night, I think. Mm, I think you're right. And I think all eyes will be on Ailish, given her sort of current form. Well, what an exciting rundown of those two senior races. But obviously there's a whole day of of races for people to enjoy kicking off at, at three o'clock in the afternoon and running all the way through till 10 o'clock at night. It will be a, an exciting day of races at Parliament Hill in Highgate. Jason, thank you. Thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast and, and giving us that rundown. And of course, just to caveat all of this, we are recording this on Sunday with it going out a few days later. And as is the way with previews and start lists, things may shift and and change after the time of us recording this. But uh, as ever, Jason, very grateful for your expertise, encyclopedic knowledge and, and getting me and hopefully the listeners pumped about what's going to unfold at Parliament Hill on May 14th. 
No problem. Cheers. Thanks very much. Hot on his heels and the man of the moment. I caught up with Ellis Cross to take stock of a different kind of 10,000 metres that captured everyone's imagination last week and what his hopes are on the track this Saturday. Thank you for, for doing this so early in the morning, prior, prior to a session, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What Got a ses- session this morning, track. Oh, okay. What is the session? Uh, I don't know. I'm still waiting for that to come through, but it's probably going to be just some like Ks and some 400s. I'd imagine. Okay, so not a, not a sort of uh, not something too meaty prior to to Saturday. No, no definitely not. It's going to be it's going to start to taper down, especially from from today. Oh, man, fantastic! Well, I'm really grateful for you for for joining me for this, and I'm sure you've been asked this a gazillion times. So for the sort of one millionth, one hundredth, and whatever amount of times <laughs> you've been asked this, I mean, yeah. we're just over a week now from from that extraordinary race. I mean, how how have the past eight days been for you? Oh yeah, it's been it's been crazy. It has been has been a whirlwind. Uh but it has been amazing as well, the kind of way that it's been received and the amount of like support and messages that I've received is uh has has been again it's quite overwhelming. <laughs> Um, but you know, it, it kind of shows that the power of the, the running community really, mm. uh, in general, in just how such a positive place it's, it, it is really. Um, but no, it's been extremely busy, but like I said, a lot of love, different many of it. Mm, it's so true that I think that that point you make there of the sort of the power of the, of the running community, cause I think everyone's really kind of got behind your story and that, that amazing kind of, kind of success that you had, like, just just to go back to to last monday i mean i mean talk talk us through the race kind of how it unfolded like did you were you feeling confident going into it was there a moment during the race where you felt like okay there's 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 opportunity here like yeah how how did it all unfold i kind of went into the race just wanting to have a hard run out with um with with highgate not the 10k pvs being sort of um a, a bigger race really mm. um so i i knew i needed a run out before then didn't really want to. Well, I couldn't really find a track race that was going to suit suit me before then. So, yeah, decided to go and do Vitality 10k. Um, it was yeah the, the way the race unfolded. I, I still couldn't believe it, even in the last like couple of meters, what was kind of going on. Um, but yeah, I was trying to push on the pace as, as much as, as possible. Really, uh, it's difficult to sit here and kind of say, you know, I had tactics to try and beat Samo Farah because obviously that wasn't the case. It mm. was, it was definitely as much a shock to myself as it was to everybody else. Um, but but yet yeah, to, to be able to win the race is like incredible, and like I say, it's still crazy to to think that it kind of happened even sat here now. Like you say, eight days on. Mm, it's so true. It's so true. Like I, I think you're right. Like I don't think anyone sort of thought, you know, when you when you got up in the morning that like, yeah, I'm 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 going to take out Mo today. Like this is this is going to be what's what happened. It just kind of it's one of those moments that just sort of uh, presents itself, perhaps, and you just sort yeah. of seized on it. I mean, like the last two hundred meters, like. Yeah. Uh, talk us through that that must have been uh, insane well, yeah no it was it was i mean um you know you're racing some far arguably one of the greatest of all time and so so renowned for his sprint finish especially in like, the latter stage of the race you're all, you are just expecting and like waiting for him to to come round you mm-hmm. um so i i expect it to happen a little like like 400 to be honest and had a little look and uh, it didn't happen I was trying to save a little bit to try and have some form of response for when he did come because I was feeling good at the time and then um obviously he came into like the, the, 
the last, the final turn, not the final corner. It's quite a sharp corner into like mm. almost like a last sort of like probably 60, 70 meters. Mm. And um, I, I just knew and I needed to be on the inside for, the, for that corner to make sure that he would have to go the long way around. And I've come around it and I'm still kind of like almost waiting. You can see I'm on the videos. I'm looking over each shoulder, like see, looking for where he is. And um, yeah, again, I didn't, still didn't quite believe until I'd actually hit the tape. I love that that sort of extraordinary photo of you as well with sort of arms outstretched a slightly surprised uh, expression on your face which is which is totally fair enough (laughs) yeah well obviously I definitely didn't plan to uh, have any celebration in mind because I didn't think I'd be needing it (laughs) and I mean the, the sort of I think what's been really interesting as well like is is the sort of the light that the success of of your win at Vitality is kind of thrown on the club running scene as well for the for the wider running community yeah. that perhaps might not be sort of au fait with the kind of depth and breadth of this the the club scene yeah. within the UK and it's kind of one of our amazing things that we have that's so unique to to this to this country. I mean, what's yeah. that been like as kind of a, a proud uh, AFD member to sort of have people yeah. kind of get uh, be aware of this extraordinary scene? Yeah, no, it's that, that again. It's been it's been amazing, but uh, I think it, it's obviously very relatable for people because you know I was part of the the club the club championship start, so obviously I just had my my actual number on, not my name on my number, mm-hmm. and and again, yeah, like I say, it is very relatable for people because any anyone could have won that race on that day. Granted, if you put yourself on a half decent position for the start, um, so yeah, I mean club like club running for me has been you know the the foundation to what's what's gone on over the over the my career really mm-hmm. um and, and you know people saying that it's almost disrespectful calling me a club runner but i, I really don't see it as that at, at all um you know as much as i might be what you class as, as a good club runner um it, it's difficult i think to, to put brackets on what is classed as good and, and what isn't because that's that's the beauty of running as well isn't it is that everyone's got their own goals and got their own kind of like goal posts and very much individual in that sort of aspect mm, absolutely yeah and i think like the there's there's extraordinary depth in terms of the talent but there is extraordinary talent there and you're being very you know very modest when you use the what you've had you've had and continue to have and I'm sure you will have now off the back of this an extraordinary career you know you've twice won the national cross country as a junior you know you've won books 5,000 meters like you've, you've you've been a signed athlete with a, with a contract and everything like that yeah. this is this isn't your first rodeo so to speak no no def- <laughs> no definitely not um I, no I'd, I'd say that I was you know I was a successful age group runner obviously representing great britain on a on a couple of occasions um but then just kind of struggled to find my feet a little bit once stepping into the senior age group and and mainly obviously finding the the balance and and, uh, working and training together was obviously a little bit more difficult than going through sort of university and Mm. almost feeling like a full-time athlete as well because you're i mean you're you work as well in is it up and running in in serverton that you work at as well right right yeah because i think that's the that's the thing people don't realize as well that's the life of many kind of sort of like sort of sub elite elite athletes is there's there's also there's also a day job that has to kind of fund all of this running yeah absolutely i mean it's it's yeah it's one of those things like those people i think you know that that term that you use just there like sub elite people that are almost on the cusp of um are are they going to make it are they not they've it's a difficult 
position to always be in really especially coming off the back of like university because you you do kind of you're almost left with a decision do you commit 100% to your athletics your running career or or do you commit 100% to your um you know just your, your, your career in general um like work life or, or do you kind of balance it? And I decided to balance it when, and fortunately I've got a forgiving employer with up and running who have been brilliant and also um, real runners who I coach with mm. um, in, in, in kind of local primary schools um, as well. So I've managed to balance it, but it took a little bit of time, you know, of course, to just kind of adapt to that and, and also get used to what was, what was needed in, in terms of training and, and and racing at that senior level. Mm. Real runners. That's is that Kev Quinn's. Business? It is, yes, yeah. So, yeah. yeah Kev. Big out, big shout out to Kev. He's been on the show yeah. before. A lot of love for Kev. Brilliant, Dude, top guy, top yeah. top guy. Fantastic. I think it's really. I think that thing of the the sub elite thing. I think is really interesting. And I think it's really interesting from the kind of the wider perspective from people who might not be as connected to, to the sport or as be as knowledgeable of it. Is that sort of that thing of like d- choosing how much you're going to invest or commit to a certain yeah. kind of lifestyle. Like, yeah. and I imagine when you tell people who perhaps aren't in the sport of like, I, I want to be a professional runner, is their response like, oh, why aren't you at the Olympics? Do you know what I mean? Like they're kind yeah. of like sort of exactly. immediate responses like, well, why are you not at the top level? It's like, well, it doesn't yeah. quite work like that. <laughs> no, exactly. But like, obviously in this sport, it's like, like you say, people think the top level is is just the Olympics, but you, you look at that, and that that is actually a small group of 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 guys that actually go on to to kind of do that. But then if you look at the wider picture, there's a very high level. I mean, in the race on Monday, there's, you take so far out of it, and it's a high quality domestic field as well, mm. with a lot of guys that are, are top top athletes, and um, and yeah, it's you know trying to be able to just just achieve whatever you can in, in the sport but like i say it's difficult with with in a sport that I, I severely think is underfunded and undervalued yeah no definitely and i think there are there there are things happening and we'll, we'll get to the night of the 10k's because i feel like that's part of part of the campaign to sort of throw more kind of spotlight yeah. and, and attention on it but you mentioned um samo there and i think I don't know, from an outsider's perspective, I feel a little bit sort of uh, sorry for the kind of narrative that's been sort of yeah. framed around Mo off the back of this. Massive. Like, I'm not to take away from from your extraordinary success, but it felt like it was, uh, he's no. done, he's washed up, you know, he's on the ringer. Like, and I feel like, I feel like that was a little bit unfair. Like, what's your, what's Massively. been your take on it? No, yeah, I, I'm I'm not a fan of it at all. Um, for for like the press to go down that go down that route, um, you you can't really drag the name like Samo Farah through the dirt. He's what he's done for the sport and in the sport, you know, will go down in history forever. And you know, other athletes be forever grateful for that as well because he's brought massive amounts of also investment into the sport and, and he's a nice guy like mm. <laughs> he's, he, he's, he is a, he's a human being at the end of the day so I wasn't a massive fan of like the negativity because you know you look at what he's done this is one this is one race and uh, like the fact to say that he's like you know like you say like washed up or finished it's uh it's mm. disrespectful to somebody who deserves a serious amount of respect mm, yeah and first race back as well i've thought like exactly. nine nine months after a, a stress fracture and a, a torn yeah. hamstring and all the other exactly. important context i think that's always good to sort of take stock with these things um, absolutely 
so you mentioned the the night the night of the 10k's and I love I love the fact that that was your kind of a race and you were just looking for a little run out beforehand <laughs> so you tried a, you tried a 10,000 or 10k on on the road so night the 10,000 meter PBs like you've raced there before what have been your what have been your experiences what was your what was your first experience at night of the 10k's and what had you heard um, about it so my first ever experience um it couldn't it, honestly it couldn't have gone any better so it was in 2017 mm. i believe so it was the joint it was the books 10k championships as well as the european under, under 23 trials um and yeah i'd kind of gone in with a plan to try and achieve the european under 23 standard mm -hmm. uh, and and obviously got get myself in in the top two of the under 23s um think things went very very well i didn't expect the you know the, the race to be quite as as powerful and amazing as it was and i didn't expect it to go as well but you know the atmosphere it just kind of pushes you on the amount of people there were, were crazy and and this is before kind of um any sort of european cup and stuff uh was going on and it was still an immense uh you know race and yeah I'd, I'd managed to pull off a very very good performance and run the european under 23 standard and and qualify for that in in big gosh poland and then obviously i won the books as well at 10k so um a very very positive first experience for me at the night of the 10k pvs and mm. i think that if anything gave me that, that platform to kind of build on and and probably why um, I, I love it so much, really. It's, you know, a positive first experience of anything always leads on to other things. Mm, you talk about the the atmosphere there and, and that sort of directly contributing, and it did just that yeah. in your case, directly contributing to, to performance. I mean, I've, I've asked a, a couple of uh, sort of athletes who've, who've run it in the past and who are going to be running it on May 14th. Like, what's that like f for the athlete on track when you're kind of surrounded by this wall of noise and support? Yeah. It's it's crazy, honestly. It, you know, you can almost like just just switch off, and you you are pushed on a hell of a lot more with that. The home and back straights. I remember in particular, um, having those kind of like the marquees over, and and almost not being able to like hear you. You're just giving it absolutely everything. You've got every single person that stood there on the track in like lane three, just uh, lane three, just giving it absolutely everything um, to kind of, you know, push you on. And, uh, and it goes such a long way uh, for athletes, you know, there's, there's nothing worse than just uh, being on a track out there, almost lonely having to, having to run around. So mm. especially over a 10 K you've got 25 laps to do. Yeah. It's one of the men, it's one of the most mentally difficult races to, to, to compete in. And having that, having that crowd and that support there um, goes goes a seriously long way. Mm, you touched on the mental side of it, and you're right. Like there's 25 laps to 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 grind through in your kind of more yeah. traditional athletics meet. But is that also part of your preparation? Like we had um, just come out today. The Philly Bowden uh, was talking about how she uses like visualization and sort of mental tactics to help. Like, is there an element of that that you also incorporate when you're preparing for something like this? <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I tr I try to just like break break the race down. Mm. Really, I'm I look into sort of like split it into sort of like two five k's almost. But um, because it's so mentally tough, uh, I never like to um, c almost commit fully from from the word go. I do like to have a little bit left to to try and finish strong 
Um, but like you say, mentally very, very difficult. But I feel like Highgate, uh, the night of the 10K PVs, is, is a race that like helps that massively and probably why also why it makes it such a strong event where athletes perform at such a high level and have you i mean the 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 start list came out on friday they've they've just been yeah. ever so slightly reshuffled i think today but i mean you're in the you're in the a race have you yeah. have you checked out the field i mean what's your kind of yeah. what's your mindset going into it what's your tactics how are you feeling it's- about it no I'm, I'm really looking forward to it i mean it's it's an incredible field as as always, I mean, you know, the, yeah, it's such a top end elite field. It was crazy to see, you know, the, the names on there in terms of both uh, international and, and domestic. A lot of the guys in there are, are, are of a top, top level. So it's going to be a great race, I think, you know, for people spectating as well. Hopefully we'll enjoy it. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to seeing what I can do on the track as well. And is there is there a is there a sort of a playbook that you have for the race, or are you just gonna get there and sort of feel it out as it goes? I, I think I mean usually in in the past I'm I tend to thrive whenever I'm in in a race really. So I think I'm just gonna go there and try and race it. I need to sit down with my coach. Uh, actually, we're sitting down on Thursday to to have a discussion about how I'm gonna play it. So um, I'll find out probably more more then. But I'm I'm thinking. More, less about the time if i can achieve sort of a major championships time then that would be be massive for me but um yeah i think it's going to be mainly just just kind of going there and racing it what a race it's going to be I'm, i mean like there's 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 the a race but there's obviously a whole day of races kicking off from free and this this club scene that we talked about earlier going to be represented from from right yeah. from the get-go like such an extraordinary kind of uh caliber of athletes like through the whole day and then kind of culminating in these these insane a races in the in the men and women's kind of elite fields so just as just to wrap things up and i'm conscious that you do have a, a session to go to so you need to get you know get your fuel on board get warmed up and all that kind of jazz but if there are people listening to this who perhaps uh maybe maybe not i don't identify as runners or they're like oh i don't know whether i watch like an athletics thing because i know it's been streamed as well on saturday and they were thinking about yeah. it like what would be your kind of your pitch to these people who are considering kind of going to Parliament Hill or tuning into the stream as to why they should uh, rock up at, at Highgate on May 14th? I'd, I'd fully recommend it. I mean, if, if I wasn't part of, you know, even even the running community or, or being a racer, I would 100, 110% be there. Uh, I know a lot of my family members who who kind of like keep tabs on what I'm doing they, they only look forward really to the night of the 10k pbs because it's such a, a, a powerful event uh, for both athletes and spectators it's just a great experience and i think it does kind of pave the way really for for how we want like the british scene of running to kind of develop um but it, it's almost like a one-off it's not really an experience that you can you can find elsewhere really across the season um i think that's how good of an event and how highly i regard it as an event so um you know i think it comes around once a year and there's a reason that so many people do turn up uh because like i said the atmosphere and the whole whole day into the evening um is incredible for both spectators and and racers alike sold I'll see you there. Amazing. <laughs> An amazing pitch. Oh, Ellis, thank you so much for, for taking time in what I imagine has been an incredibly busy sort of seven, eight days for you. Uh, I look forward to seeing you race on May 14th. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. On tomorrow's episode. One down. 
19 to go. Oh my god, it's too long. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here to remind you. <laughs> right. Okay, we're good now. Ready? Go. I'll see you then for the big run.